I'm going to review a little bit and then we're going to go into something a little different tonight, but it can be connected with what we've been talking about the last four weeks. If you've been with us any of the last four weeks, you know that we've been talking about getting out there and getting people, influencing people for the Lord, being a witness to people all around us, overcoming fear, overcoming nervousness, which is fear, overcoming shyness, which is fear, and get out there and start doing what we're born again to do. And uh, do you have that? Uh, I didn't prepare Michael in any of this hardly at all tonight. But if you have that graphic of the purpose of the church, I'll give you just a second to find it. Um, we we have a, a purpose. Um, actually, the one uh, there it is. We uh, we have like a paragraph version of the reason we're here, and then we have like a long sentence of the reason we're here, and then we have three words why we're here. I like to break the, the purpose down. We're here, Faith Heights Church is here to help people grow up spiritually and go out to all the world with influence for the Lord and preach the gospel one way or the other, supporting it, uh, bringing people to church. And that's our purpose, growing in God and going into all the world and, and getting people saved. That's, that's the smallest I could find right now. Equipping and evangelizing, that's us. Right. Equipping and evangelizing. Amen. Now there's all kinds of fun in that. Matter of fact, you'll never reach certain levels of joy unless you're helping some way get people saved. You'll never, you'll never reach certain levels of joy unless you're seeing yourself as a soul winner and influencing people for Jesus when the opportunity arises or when the Lord leads you. There's certain things you won't get if you don't do some of the things we're talking about these last four weeks. Joy, peace, beyond the world. The world can't give it or take it away. So I want to read you just a couple things here, and we'll go on in a review. We found out in the last couple weeks that the longer a church exists, the more concerned members become with self-preservation, and less concerned with the church's original reason for being. Everybody get that? The longer you are as a church, a lot of times people start settling into self-preservation instead of Hey, the original vision, man, is to pack the church out with people and get people saved, healed, delivered, and set free and filled with the Spirit. And you have to watch out. We've been here a while. This church has been here a while. So we have to do like Isaiah said. We have to wait on the Lord. We've got to renew our strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. So we don't want to fall into self-preservation. The message translation in, in Matthew 28, 19 Jesus says, go out, every one of you, go to everyone you meet, far and near, and train them in this way of life. That's not to pastors, that's not to evangelists, that's not to apostles, that's to every single believer in the church. You're in the ministry. You don't need a paper on your wall that says you're ordained by such and such a ministry. You are ordained by the Lord to be a witness everywhere you go. Not push things on people, but definitely probably doing more than you're doing. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean a witness? Well, the Bible says Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to receive power from heaven and you're going to be a witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, or Grand Junction, Mesa County, Colorado, United States, uttermost parts of the earth. Everyone, that wasn't written to pastors or apostles. It was written to every believer. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean a witness? Well, let me ask you a question. Were you there that day you got saved? <laughs> then you're a witness of the saving power of God, and you have something to share with other people. 
said, Pastor, how do, you, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you not do it after everything the Lord's done for us? How do you not tell your neighbors about church? How do you not invite people to Easter Sunday? Paul said, I wish myself a curse from Christ for my kinsmen according to the flesh. I, if, if me being separated from Jesus would help Israel get saved, let it be, Lord. A little bit beyond now, a little nervousness and shyness. Well, I'm just, it's just not me. <laughs> yes, it is. It is you. It's the real you on the inside, right. covered up by all these other feelings and personality quirks or whatever. We are all called. Let me ask you this. Were you there when that prayer you prayed, God answered? Were you there when that answer came? Of course you were, right? Were you there when that healing manifested? Were you, were you there when that you got delivered that day from addictions? Were you there? Then you witness something. And you have some. See, deliverance is deliverance no matter what they need. If you've got deliverance, they can get deliverance. And your test, you can't argue a changed life. We can argue scripture, we can argue creed, we can argue doctrine, but you can't argue, I had cancer, but I got healed. I was bound by fear and I'm set free. I had anxiety and depression. It ran in my family, but it don't run in my family no more because I'm in a different family now. You can't argue testimonies. And every one of us has testimonies. As a matter of fact, more should be flooding in so Carla could read a bunch more on Sunday mornings. Everybody has a testimony. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but you living an overcoming life has something to do with you testifying what the Lord's already done for you. Revelation chapter 12 says that we overcome the devil, demon forces, powers of darkness, everything of the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Everybody wants to overcome, but you've got to do some things. You've got to line up, get under the spout where the power is coming out, right? So let me read a few more things and we'll go a little farther. Um... I want to encourage you as a church to use your social media for Jesus. I'm not saying don't use it for family and friends, but use it for the Lord. If Paul was here, he'd be using everything he could to get the gospel out. Use your social media for the Lord. Well, I just don't want to offend my friends. Then that probably aren't your friends anyway. If if they're offended because of your beliefs and you loving the Lord, maybe you don't want them as your friends. Right. Everybody's all afraid about offending people. Nobody's afraid, uh, concerned about offending God. I think we need to do what Billy Graham says and be a little more concerned about offending God than people. Actually, if we do this thing called Christianity right, some are going to love you, some are going to hate you. How many that live godly in Christ are going to suffer persecution? All that live godly in Christ are going to suffer persecution. It comes with the package. But you know what? If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Hmm? You have to watch out about saying you're going to have all these things without doing what the Lord said you've got to do if you're going to have those things. Boy, this is a Wednesday night class, I can tell. So, um, so, so message, friends. Go on Facebook. Put, put Easter service on there. Share the posts that the church is posting. 
It's the least you can do as a born again, thankful believer for Jesus dying for you, rising from the dead for you, ever living to make intercession for you. The least you can do is share the posts the church is already sharing. The Faith Heights is already sharing. Share them. It's the least we can do. This is the least. This is, this is, this is the beginning. In Acts 18, verses 9 through 11, Jesus told Paul concerning the city of Corinth in a night by a vision. He said, Paul, don't be afraid. Speak the word of the Lord, for I have much people in this city. I'm going to be with you, and no man is going to set on you to hurt you. He said, I have much people in this city. Well, interesting thought here is Corinth wasn't a third world nation. Corinth wasn't 2,000, 3,000 miles over the sea. Hey, great, if you're called, go, obey the Lord. But you don't have to go 3,000 miles away to be a missionary. CMU is a mission field. Your neighborhood is a mission field. This city is a mission field. I hate it. I believe it's going down. The prayer meetings are causing this to change. But they're calling Grand Junction the suicide capital. Was it of the country or the state? Of the nation. Of the nation. No, no, no. That, that percent is going down. This is another reason we got to get back on TV. We'll talk about a little bit later in the year, not too far from now, maybe a little bit on Vision Sunday, about reaching out to our valley. We have got to get this good news into the hearts and minds of the people in our valley. They need to know no matter what's happened in your life, there is good news and you're not going to kill yourself. You're going to start living for the Lord and start helping other people get out of what you were in. And I just, we have a mission and it's a a big job, but we have a great God. And we can make it happen with his help. So Jesus said he had much people in this city. And so one of the things we saw in that verse is that Jesus has much people in our city. And we can't let fear hinder us from reaching them. TV is a small part. The number one reason churches grow is because people like you and me bring people we meet in our daily walk. We bring them. We invite them. Some things may take a few little bit of time because you don't want to just force things on people or make them think they're just, you know, numbers in a church. They're not. But when you develop friendships, the Holy you know, it's so easy to witness if you just live a spirit-filled life. It's all, it's all weird feeling and, and sticky if you're not filled with the Spirit. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll go to the restaurant and, the, and you'll talk to the servant and they'll start coming to the church. They'll just come out of you naturally. Right. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We talked about that, being a witness. Um, and we talked about bringing people to Jesus and we are the body of Christ. So now, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. And I want to share this with you, church. When um, Dominic and I went to Boise, Idaho about six months ago, something like that, and we went to a friend's church up there called Life Church, and they had a, a collaboration meeting, and, and we just got together and talked about the things of the Lord, and Carla and I went there about eight months ago or something like that. And so we met some new friends up there. And one of the first things that the pastor of the church told us ministers during this collaboration meeting was that he found out that church growth can happen on purpose. 
We don't have to wait for an amazing wave of miracles, which we're believing for. We don't have to wait for some amazing thing to happen spectacularly from the Lord, from heaven. We can grow by just putting certain principles into action and be, putting some self-discipline in our lives and seeing things happen that other people are seeing happen without compromise of the word. I thought, wait, but we can grow on purpose? You mean we don't have to have a, a, big, a big wave of miracles and healings? No, we're believing for that and that's happening and it's going to happen here because we're totally open to it. But do we have to wait for that to happen? No, we do not. We can grow on purpose. I want to talk about that for the remaining time. Growing on purpose, because it connects with what we're talking about. But this message, you're going to hear some things in this message that's going to help you in any area of your life. But I'd like to keep thinking a little bit about what we've been talking about, but take these principles and apply them to any area of your life. I'm going to say right off the bat what it is. We're going to talk about self-discipline. Self-control. Controlling yourself. I wish I would have learned this because there was a time in my life Detective Rushing helped control me with handcuffs and my black leather jacket and took me off to jail because I didn't get the discipline I needed in my early days. Detective Rushing did it when I was 17. Ain't fun. Much rather have a on the behind than handcuffs in jail. I guarantee you. Go in the bathroom in front of everybody. A cell you can't get out. Not cool. But if I would have learned... How many of you have been in jail? Go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> Look at this, man. The Lord has set us free. He sets the captives free. Woo! That's almost half of the people in this room, man. I tell you. We are free. Free indeed. But a lot of it, I know in my life, was because I didn't know what I'm going to talk to you about for the rest of this time tonight. Self-control. You either control yourself or somebody else will. Right? And the worst thing about it is not living a self-controlled life is the reason so many people aren't happy. (laughs) Happiness is like the great quest of everybody's life, right? But you know, you need to ask yourself this question. How can I live to achieve real happiness? That's a good question. But I want you to, before we go to a scripture, let me just read you a couple of things. The Bible talks about a word, temperance. Oh, actually, go to Galatians 5.23, and I'll show it to you in this scripture. Galatians 5.23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. That's nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. See that word temperance? Oh, that's at the end. We don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about love, joy, peace, and maybe a few others. But temperance is at the end. It must not be that important. Uh, Newsflash. Personally, after studying some of these things and living a little while on this planet, I've realized there is one reason people are successful and one reason people are not successful. 
Yeah. Wow. The key to success is self-discipline. It takes discipline to go to church. It takes discipline to read your Bible. It takes discipline to do what you read. It takes discipline to live by faith. It takes discipline to walk in love. It takes controlling yourself if you're even going to do the things the Lord tells you to do. And we're not talking about working our way to heaven. We're talking about doing the things after we're saved that will help us to reach our highest and our, our, you know, fulfill our high call and minister to people all around us. So temperance is defined, this is interesting, temperance is defined as moderation or voluntary self-restraint. Everybody say voluntary. It's the best kind. Ask me, I know. Temperance is typically described in terms of what an individual voluntarily refrains from doing. This is amazing. We have a friend, Dave Dwell, who's in heaven now. He lived out his life, did so much for the Lord. He said they did a study on the number one reason millionaires said they were millionaires. I think they even interviewed some billionaires. And they all coincided, said exactly the same thing. They said the number one reason, this is success in the financial realm, but it can be success in any realm. Raising kids, on the job, ministry, winning souls, bringing people to church. He said the number one reason that these millionaires said was the reason they were millionaires is for this one phrase right here. They said, we realize that we need to be willing to bear pain. Work when others are sleeping. Right? Burn the minado when everybody's watching TV. Right? You know what's so cool about this? Anybody can rise up by what I'm talking to you about right now. There are educated people. There are talented people. There are people that were born into wealth that will never go above average because they don't have this one thing in their life. They got the talent. They got the opportunity. They got the education. But if they don't have temperance, they won't make it. They'll live a mediocre, mediocre life when all along their talents could have took them way beyond for this one. I remember one time a person in our church many, many, many years ago. This guy was the most talented person I knew. I mean, he could fix anything. He could work on anything. He was smart. And it's like I was thinking, man, this guy's going to take off. He's going to go places. He never went anywhere. He could do amazing things, but he never disciplined himself to, to do it consistently or in the right way or with the right people. It's called wasting your life. So let me read this to you. Another way you could say temperance or self-control, alert discipline. One transla- I think the message translation puts it that way in one of the verses. Self-control. Everybody say self-control. self-control. Say, I'm going to control myself. I want to inject this here. The devil says, yield to self and you'll be happy. God says, control yourself and you'll be happy. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something your spirit with the Holy Spirit in you is supposed to be producing in your life. So if your spirit's weak, your self-control is probably going to be weak. 
That's why you want to feed on the word, make sure you're strong spiritually. Another word for temperance is self-restraint. Who said this? Sean, you'll know this. This person said, there are I think it was Mark Twain, there are a thousand excuses for failure, but never a good one. <laughs> there are a thousand excuses for failure, but never a good one. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1, 8. You know, if you really want different results in your life, you're going to have to become a different person. And then at the end of your life, that different person that you become is way better than all the stuff you got. You say, what do you mean become? On the inside, you're a new creature in Christ. But you're not fully mature. And the Bible says, put on the new man. And once you do that, and that's like a daily thing, you have, to, you have to realize that on the inside, if you're born again, you're a lot different than what you see in the mirror. And you've got to start realizing, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a world overcomer. I have the love of God in my heart. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. You've got to start believing that and putting that on. And then start developing in that, even in natural things. How you talk, how you relate to people. Joshua 1.8 God told Joshua and us, if you're wanting to cross over, like they were wanting to cross over from the desert into the promised land, if you, these are crossover instructions. If you're wanting to cross over from sickness to health, if you're wanting to cross over from lack to prosperity, if you're wanting to cross over from being not a very good parent to being an excellent parent, whatever you want to cross over into, these are crossover instructions. The Bible shall not depart out of your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. Keep saying it. Right. Keep thinking it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, Joshua, but you, Joshua, shall meditate therein day and night. The word meditate means to speak. First, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to speak. Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. The word meditate is to speak. Meditate or mutter day and night. Now, I, I used to do this in the daytime, th thinking I was qualifying for the rest of the verse because I read the Bible in the morning. And I quoted scriptures in the morning. One day I got a revelation. And night was also in the verse. So now before I go to bed, and my life is getting better and better, I speak some scriptures and read some scriptures before I go to bed. Because I don't qualify if I'm just doing it in the daytime. He didn't say you have to do hour after hour. Try 15 minutes in nighttime added to what you're doing in the morning. Now you qualify and you can go, Lord, I'm meditating in your word day and night. I'm observing to do according to all that's written therein. If you do that, then you are going to make your way prosperous and you are going to have good success. So do you see self-discipline in this? Huh? How many think it might take a little bit of development in self-discipline to get in the Word day and night yeah. and to speak the Word all the time when, you, you know, when you're not doing something else that you have a responsibility toward? Th this is one of the disciplines. If we had this discipline in our life, look at the end verses, what you'd get in your life. Prosperity and success. Well, well, well. I am... Um, here, let me read this to you. Um, Self-discipline 
is the ability to do something when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. Self-discipline is doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it, whether you feel like it or not. Let <laughs> right? me tell you the temptation. There's always going to be this little whisper, take the path of least resistance. Take the path of least resistance. Find the easy way. You're going to have that. I'm going to be with you all your life. But you can rise above and get stronger than it, but it's going to be there. You know, brooks become crooked by taking the path of least resistance. You've got to watch out about that because you don't always want to be looking for shortcuts. Right? You don't always want to be the person, you know, just, well, I won't say that. Go to Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to control myself and not say that. (laughs) Matthew 12. I am exercising self-discipline tonight. Matthew 12, verse 33, NIV. If you have that one, Michael, let's see if we can find that out of the New International Version. Matthew 12, 33, out of the NIV. Jesus is talking about people here, and he refers to people as trees a lot. He said, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Hmm? What does that mean? That means success is something you attract by the person you've become. Right. Do I need to say that again? Yeah. Success is something you attract by the person you become. In other words, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Are you following? It's called personal development. Why does the guy working for Disney, well, this was years ago. This was many years ago. He probably makes way more now. Why did the, the guy, the, the CEO of Disney or whoever was in charge of Disney, why did he make $50 million a year? You don't have to wait for minimum wage to increase, I promise you. You can do something to become more valuable to the marketplace. Hmm? Why? Why? Well, because you help a company make $5 billion a year, they gladly pay you $50 million a year. He became more valuable. Not as a person, more valuable to society. More valuable in providing things people need or want. Right. say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I need to go to Disneyland. Some people do. (laughs) (laughs) To relax. Get away from the workload. Right? (laughs) <laughs> we'll be heading there in June, I think. Sometimes you need to go just to get away from stuff and relax and remember that the Lord wants you to have fun in life too. One of the reasons our kids didn't stray from the Lord ever, no terrible twos. Rachel's in youth group right now. Dominic's in youth group. Isaac's a police officer. He's, he's at some, some hostages negotiating trading right now somewhere. But... Um, you know why they're in the church? One of the reasons because we showed them. Yes, we're in the ministry, guys. Yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, sometimes it gets tough. But you know what? Let's just go to Disneyland. <laughs> we went to Disneyland probably 10 times with our kids when they were growing up. And we showed them that being in the ministry does not mean you don't have fun. Let me tell you another thing you don't, Christian parent, you do not want to do around your kids. You do not want to talk 
about church members that are giving you a hard time. You do not want to talk about people at work that you don't like. Not good in child training. If you've done it, you can repent and start fresh and God will help you. You don't want to be talking about how you're frustrated in front of your kids. You don't want to be talking about, well, we just believe in being honest. That's being stupid. Come on. You're right. You don't want to share a bunch of trash with your children. They're not ready for it. There's some things they're not ready for. And you should have to feel like you're not being honest if you don't tell them. The Bible talks about secrets. And it talks about people that are tattlers telling things they shouldn't tell. Just because they're true doesn't mean you're supposed to tell it. Why did I say all that? Oh, back to Disneyland. <laughs> we'll go back to Disneyland later. Um, so did I tell you to turn did you look at Matthew 12 make the tree good and its fruit will be good so basically if you want different results you got to be a different kind of person not just implement a little principle here or there go ahead and just be that different person why don't you just start seeing yourself like those you look up to start with seeing it then go to shaking hands like those that you look up to shake hands then maybe dressing like those you look up to that dress. Then talking, reading the same books, going the same places. Mm-hmm. This is important stuff. Bring all this in light of what we've been talking about the last four weeks. Right. Start acting like a soul winner. Start thinking like a soul winner. Mm-hmm. Talking like, say, I'm an able minister of the New Testament. Are you kidding me? I'm not afraid. I don't yield to fear. And nervousness and shyness is fear. So just call it what it is. <laughs> Well, I don't have a problem with fear, but I sure am nervous to witness to people. You have a problem with fear. And you need to claim victory from it and stop it. (laughs) Right? Thank you very much, my Wednesday night people. I remember one time I was asking the Lord, I was talking to the Lord about inspiration. How many of you just love inspiration? Anybody love inspiration? You know when you're just inspired to conquer the world? And I know as a musician, write three albums and and buy a bunch of equipment and pay it off with the the success that's going to happen because I got the equipment. And and just, I mean, inspiration ever come on you? Just feel like you can just do 20 other dreams and just rise up there? And anybody ever, ever? I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when I'm inspired, and the Bible says there is a spirit in man. I'm quoting. The scripture, there's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty giveth understanding. So inspiration comes from God at times and it's an awesome thing and enjoy it while it's there because it ain't always going to be there. If inspiration was always there, you wouldn't have to operate in developing self-discipline and faith and God will not let that happen. And so I asked her, I said, okay, so maybe I need to write a book. What to do? When inspiration leaves. You know what the answer to that is? The same thing you did when inspiration was there. The only reason, I'm going to say this, the only reason people are, some people are successful and other people are not successful. Because successful people do what unsuccessful people don't like to do. Right. And successful people don't like it either. They do it though. <laughs> It's not that successful people like doing these things. They don't like them either. And it's always hardest at first. You following me? Actually, if you could just get, a con- get control of your habits, you can decide what any kind of future you want. 
I remember, you know, the Bible talks about habits and developing good ones and pulling down bad ones. You know, strongholds are addictions, things that have gripped you. They can be broken. And new habits can come in their place. The Bible says that the house of Stephanus was addicted to ministering in the church. Well, how can you get addicted to something if you didn't get high from it? There's a high that comes. When you willingly serve God's people in his church, it's better than any drug and you'll get addicted to it. I know a little bit about addictions too. I was addicted to some things that I shouldn't have been addicted to. Anybody hear of pot? <laughs> what a stupid name. Hey, let's go smoke some pot. It's like gross. Just call it marijuana or whatever. But, but you can get addicted to this stuff. But you have a lot of times the only way to get out of a habit is to replace it with a better one. And so I remember this. I remember I was studying along these lines one time and I was thinking, I, realized, I, th- I saw this phrase somewhere. I forget where I saw it, but it goes like this. Men, and that includes you two women, all right? Men do not decide their future. They decide their habits and their habits decide their future. So really, you're looking at your future going, how is that going to happen? Simple. Develop the habits others have developed that will lead you to them. Habits lead to habitation. Habitation. Right? Success and failure has to do with habits. Habits have to do with self-control or the opposite. What would you say the opposite of self-control is? Lasciviousness. Looseness. Right? In thought or action. Habits. Everybody say habits. Without self-discipline, temperance, even the most gifted and educated will seldom rise above average. All right. Who was Longfellow? That, was he an American poet? What's his first name? Henry Longfellow? He had something interesting to say. He, this is really interesting. He said, those, those heights by great men won and kept were not achieved by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. They were burning the men out. Oh, when others were just falling asleep. And no, Don't get me wrong. Get, get, get a good night's sleep, okay? <laughs> Those say pastors saying, no, you've got to stay up all night to be successful. I'm not saying that at all. But you know, there's a lot of things we do with our evenings that probably aren't going to mean anything when this life is over. Absolutely. Successful people make a habit of doing things that unsuccessful people don't like. Um, Napoleon said self-discipline is the master key to riches. The ability to practice self-discipline is the real reason, is the real reason why some succeed. So in closing, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1, and let's read verse 3 through 6. Everybody say temperance. So can you see how this can apply to anything, including what we talked about the last four weeks? It's going to take some discipline. Number one, how many of you, don't ask for a show of hands, but in your heart, how many of you did what pastor said last week by the Holy Ghost and got yourself a book, a notebook? Me too. Designed specifically for 
soul winning. Writing down every name of every person in your realm of living that you are going to think about and pray about inviting to church someday. Everybody you can think of. Deep acquaintances, casual acquaintances. First step, write them down. Why? Because now you know who you're praying for. And God's going to start talking to you about the people you're praying for. And he's going to give you nuggets of wisdom about people you're praying for. Things to say in a text. Things to say in an email. Things to say when you see them at the grocery store. When you talk with them on the phone or whatever. He's going to start, and you start writing all this down. And pretty soon you're going to have a leading of the Lord to go up to them. Make friends with them. If you're not friends already, go out for coffee. And before you know it, they're going to be in church with their hands uplifted. Tears running down their face because they just got delivered. Can I get an amen? Second <laughs> Peter 1, 3 through 6. According as God's divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence. Here we start moving into self-control and self-discipline. You ready? Everybody say all diligence. diligence. Give all diligence. So in other words, this isn't just going to happen because you hear good sermons and go to church and sit in a chair. This doesn't just happen because you're a believer and filled with the Spirit and speak with tongues. You're going to have to give all diligence. You ready? Add to your faith virtue, moral excellence. Everybody say, add to my faith. One translation says, supplement your faith with these. Do you realize there's some vitamins that work better with other vitamins? If you take some vitamins and not the other supplement, nothing will happen with that one unless you got the other one to go with it. There's like, they have to be like a counterpart. Supplement your faith. How many know your faith needs supplements? If you want your faith to be everything it's supposed to be in receiving healing for yourself, right? Helping other people. Supplement your faith with moral excellence. Right? And to virtue, add knowledge. In other words, never stop growing and knowing. Well, I've read that before. Read another thousand times. There's more in there. Next verse. Add to knowledge temperance. Self-control. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. Let's read a few more verses. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in your hearing the word of God. Going to church in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. For he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Now go back and remember that list of things. Now go ahead. Go to the next verse. I'm sorry. For if you do these things we just talked about, you will never Fall. Wow. Does that sound good to anybody? Yes. Never. One translation says never fail. Right. Does that sound good to anybody? Yes. 
then maybe we need to be a little bit interested in this thing called temperance. Because really all these things that we're called to develop in takes self-discipline. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll receive communion now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, listen closely, verse 27, Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified or a castaway. Think about it. What's Paul saying? He's saying I. Who's the I? Well, it ain't his body because he called his body an it. He said, I keep my body in subjection and bring it. I bring it. Say, my body body. is an it. Your body's not you. It's like like a coat. It's like a coat you're wearing while you're here on the earth. Thank God for it. It's precious. It's wonderful, but it's still an it. It should never be the boss of your life. Oh, in the natural, if you feel something in danger, well, yeah, do what you got to do. You see an 18-wheeler coming down the road? Believe your eyes and don't cross the street. Duh. All right? But if these senses contradict the word of the Lord, go with the word and tell your body, submit. The I is the inward man saying, I bring my body under subjection. Who did it? Well, the Lord will just take it away. You're going to have to do some control on yourself. So I just want God to take away this tobacco urge. I just want God to take away this nicotine addiction. What's he going to do with it? He don't smoke. He don't chew. He don't, he, praying for God to take something away he told you to lay aside doesn't work. But you, on the inside, have the ability to produce the fruit of temperance. And if you do, church, I'm telling you, you need to think about this in a few areas. Personally, your job, your business, your place in the church, your health. Think about areas of self-discipline that will help you get on the road to more success in all these areas. And be a, you can get to the point where you actually start loving discipline because of the results it's producing in your life. It takes discipline to go to church on a Wednesday night. I applaud you. It's good you're here. That's a good thing. Self-discipline is very important. You know, a lot of people would be amazing soul winners if they just disciplined themselves and get out there and do it. And they'd get this crown in heaven that's so extraordinarily beautiful they'd faint when they saw it. Hmm? There's some people who'd be healed in their bodies right now if they'd just be more disciplined about quoting scriptures and believing God like they know how to do. They got the faith. They're just not disciplined enough to live by it long enough to uh, results appear.